There is no growth in comfort and no comfort in growth. Business today typically values and promotes leaders for their subject expertise. Leaders who have command of the details and execute based on knowledge and experience are highly respected. However, to grow as a leader, you have to get out of your comfort zone. That means learning to lead without just being the expert. Learn to gain the trust and respect of a team that might know more than you do. Get comfortable with ambiguity and with not having all the information. Develop the skills and confidence to lead in a different way. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm Wanda Wallace. Now, recently, I was coaching someone who said at the very outset of our coaching session that she had lost all joy in her work. And that followed by exactly what you'd expect, I need to quit my job. Now, my usual response when people say that is to say, okay, but before you quit and look for something else, let's stop to look at what's causing the challenges so either you can fix them where you are or at least you don't repeat them when you go somewhere else. Now, as we kept talking about this and what the problem was, she actually seemed to really enjoy the work itself. So on a hunch, I asked, was she sleeping enough? And the reply, absolutely no. And that turned out to be the core problem, flat out not getting enough sleep. It turns out this isn't an isolated event. I talk to lots of people who are not getting enough sleep. And we know performance is enhanced when you can get better sleep. So is your life. So is your health. So is an awful lot of things. And it's not about just enough sleep. It's also about good quality sleep. So contrary to popular myth, recent research is showing us that we all need, every one of us, seven to eight hours of sleep to be at our optimal level of performance. So my show today is about sleep. We're going to talk about how do you get to sleep, how do you get back to sleep when you wake up, what do you do before you go to sleep, and we're also going to talk about dreams. So my guest today is Sophie Ramias. Sophie is a workshop designer and a facilitator. She does a lot of coaching and personal development and stress management. And Sophie uses some interesting techniques, hypnosis, meditation, and dreams. She's a native from the French Alps and regularly uses a lot of symbolism and metaphors from nature in her work. So, Sophie, welcome to the show. Hi, Wendy. Thank you so much yes, for welcoming on the show. Okay, it's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to this topic. And I've read some of the things that you've written, so I'm rather excited about hearing your perspective on it. Let's start first talking about this whole physiological state of sleep. Why does it matter so much? Yeah, so why not let's start first with uh, uh, speaking about how many time we spend in our life about sleeping. It is said that if the average night's sleep is eight hours, it means one-third of a day, one sleeps for one-third of one's life. So if you live, say, 75 years, that is 25 years of sleep, or in days, 9,125 days of our life to sleep. I love that. It's amazing. 25 years, that's an interesting. Now, the tendency then is to say, well, how do I get some of those years back from sleep? But you can't do that. I mean, the recent research is saying less sleep, six hours of sleep, five hours of sleep. Isn't it actually helpful? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the one thing is that we do speak a lot about sleep nowadays because uh, it became a big problem in uh, every country. So we know that sleeping is needed in our daily life. 
and then to get the right amount of sleep because it has a direct relationship with a person's happiness. So a recent survey found that people who identified as perfectly happy got exactly seven hours and six minutes of sleep every night. So, okay, without being so precise, let's remember that seven hours of sleep can be key. Yeah? Okay, so seven hours of sleep can be achieved. And I like this one. So people who say that they are really happy have seven hours plus of sleep. All right. So what do people need to do to sleep better? I mean, you have all sorts of advice on this one, but what's your advice to make the sleep um, better quality and longer? Yes, exactly. So as uh, we discussed, we will speak about the physiological effect of uh, sleep, how we can help our sleep uh, from a physiological point of view, and then we will see how we can help ourselves with little rituals, very simple things that everybody can do at their own place and and time. And then we'll see the power of dreams, as we said. So, but first, if you don't mind, we can come back to this kind of... uh, uh, sleep time, because many people mm-hmm. can get stressed out by, do I have the right amount of sleep or not? So yeah. would you mind if we discuss a little bit about that? Sure, go right ahead. Okay, great. Because it is said that when we don't get enough of it, of sleep, we can forget with moods, but not as me as we see later. It can also have uh, consequences on our health directly. So, however, if we get too much sleep, we are also, on another kind of uh, not-so-positive mood, we can get groggy and less productive. That's why, in general, we can recommend that people get seven to nine hours of sleep every night. So, and uh, speaking about that, so the price of sleepless night is more than just fatigue. So, as well as depression, the lack of regular sleep can be linked with uh, the risk of obesity and stroke, uh, diabetes, and eventually shortens your life expectancy. Wow. So that being said, yeah? Yeah. So sleeplessness leads to uh, increased obesity and a shorter lifespan, okay? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we speaking about sleep and uh, how can we compose our sleep or how our sleep is composed. So usually we say that we have several cycles of sleep during a night. One cycle is around 90 minutes of sleep. And usually if we do count on a night of seven hours and a half, it does mean that our night will be composed of five sleep cycles. And so the first thing we can do, speaking precisely to be concrete, is that we can already think about uh, at what time should I get up tomorrow morning? Meaning if I have to get up at 7, at what time I'm supposed to go to bed to have the best of my cycles of sleep. And for that, now we have a lot of applications which can help for us to have a better sleep quality. Okay. Just for this little point, speaking about cycles of sleep, we can use, I can name perhaps... Uh, application like a sleepcalculator.com or a sleepit and so on. You can just type on your um, internet browser 
okay, uh, application for sleeping time. And then you'll see there are several applications which can help people to already think about that, cycles of sleep. Okay. Yeah. Now, and do the, is there something particular about the cycles of sleep? Do they vary from the beginning of the night to the end of the night? Excuse me for the question? So is there any, are all five cycles of sleep the same? I know that they're 90 minutes, but are some deeper than others? You do they vary? You mean the cycle of 90 minutes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, we have several phases uh, in our sleep. We have, uh, we, can, we have five phases, let's say five phases that have been uh, chosen by our scientists. The sleep phases, we could say the phase one will be the slumber time, and the okay. phase two will be the light sleep. Phase okay. three will be the slow sleep. Phase okay. four will be the deep sleep, and phase five will be the paradoxal sleep, meaning this is okay. uh, where we have the best time for uh, dreaming also and having a the best time that our body, mind, spirit can rejuvenate themselves. Okay. All right. So there are these five cycles of sleep in an average night. They're about 90 minutes, and there are five different phases that go with this. And we need to make sure that we get an adequate amount of time, seven and a half hours um, at a minimum. Some of us need a little longer than that. What else can we do to sleep better? Yeah, okay, so we can do several things. And uh, the first thing we can pay attention to uh, will be uh, pay attention to our physiological state. How can we do that? We can think first about our nutrition. Some food food is helping the process of creating melatonin. Melatonin is uh, what we do naturally um, program in our body for uh, going to the sleep state. And okay. so we can think about it as planning our dinners. So okay. thinking, let's say, um, uh, being concrete, uh, the thing we can do is to choose protein foods that are rich in an amino acid called tryptophan. Okay. It does help to boost the sleep-inducing hormone melatonin, as I mentioned. So people can, for example, um, choose to eat some chicken, turkey, and nuts, Seeds. These are all good choices. Okay. So okay. chicken, nuts, and seeds contain more tryptophan. We know that from, in the U.S. at least, from Thanksgiving holidays. And that helps create melatonin, yeah. which fosters sleep. Okay? Exactly. And then Are there foods to fast. avoid? Yeah. Are there yes, foods to ahead, avoid? Sorry. Are there foods to avoid? Yeah, let's say food, okay, other things that we can think about to uh, integrate for a good sleep could be to combine the protein, uh, our protein foods with rice or pasta or potatoes to help the body to get the most uh, benefits from tryptophan. So, for example, if you take chicken and then you can take your noodles or similar. Um, okay. Okay, for example. And okay. But the one thing, you said, what can we avoid? Let's say, yeah. uh, what yes. we can avoid could be the heavy food, yeah? Because uh, so the act of eating pushes up the body's core temperature. 
And this can disrupt the sleep. So eat our evening meal, for example, at least four hours, or minimum two hours before retiring for the day. Okay. So food we can avoid can be something which is rich. So uh, which I may not mention so many things, but let's say um, food, rich food or drinking also too much alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Um, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. and you said two hours before we go to sleep, we should stop eating so that, you know, the body has a chance to digest. Exactly. Exactly. So, the things that I did mention, so uh, stop um, eating to minimum two hours before falling asleep, for example. Some people may want, if they had their dinner time, so I know that sometimes some people have their dinner time around 6 or 6.30 p.m., which is still uh, early in the evening. Maybe we may have a little thing before falling asleep. I can mention other things which can help to boost our melatonin process. It can okay. be a sweet touch, and, uh, like finishing with banana mm-hmm. or a portion of cherries, why not? So, for example, we can swap sugary several for a whole grain alternative stuff with milk and a sliced banana. And so okay. for people who will have a, a light dinner, so the good thing about finishing with a sweet touch is that it can help to create even more melatonin. Yeah? Okay. All right. Great. So these are the usual ways of creating more melatonin in your body. So if you're going to sleep, if you're eating dinner earlier than two hours before you're going to sleep, it's having a small snack two hours before, like bananas or cherries or whole grain with milk. Okay? Exactly. And then, of course, you mentioned what can we avoid. So the good thing to avoid, especially during the evening, can be the caffeine, of course. Okay. Caffeine. Yeah. So for the people who do really like the touch of the, the, the taste of caffeine in the evening, they can try decaffeinated coffee or caffeine-free drinks like uh, red bush tea or let's say minimum to have less caffeine-containing drinks not later than lunchtime or middle of afternoon for the people who really want having their caffeine touch, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So these are the so there's a lot we can do in nutrition that's going to put us in a better physiological state to go to sleep. What else can we do to improve the state of sleep? Okay, so let's talk about devices. Because devices now are so uh, present in our daily life. So devices, I mean, uh, phones, tablets, um, uh, TVs. So they are so present in our daily life. And especially when we uh, come back home, right, we are very connected to our devices. So the thing we could do to help ourselves for having a better sleep time, better quality sleep, could be to switch our devices minimum 30 minutes before going to bed. Oh, wow. Yeah. And why? Because the breweries continue. We have breweries contained into our screens. And the breweries, mm-hmm. they continue to stimulate the brain um, as well as the contents, of course, social media and uh, perhaps the, the, the movies we are watching on our tablets and so on. So that being said, to go deeper into this um, blue ways thing, so 
So staring at screens for too long without periods of rest can result in physical eye discomfort. And okay. so some people sometimes can feel in their evening, sometimes they can trigger with headaches or blurred vision or dry eyes, perhaps pain in the neck, pain in the neck or shoulders. Right. So it can also come from uh, always uh, watching our devices. The posture we have when we watch our devices, okay, the eyes on our devices, all these things can lead to this little discomfort that I mentioned just before. Right. Yeah. So the okay. first thing we can already do is to uh, switch off our devices minimum 30 minutes before falling asleep. Okay. And for the people who can uh, really not get off their devices because they want, and this is the time they have, to uh, connect with other people. So the one thing they can do is to filter the phone's blue light. So for that, we can use, again, applications. There are plenty of applications that have been uh, uh, put as for free. Some are for free also on uh, the Internet. So neutralizing the blue light emitted by our devices, we can use I am, is it okay to mention some applications for that? Sure, certainly. Yeah? Okay. So I can mention some like Twilight, easy to remember. Okay. Or Iris. Okay. Mm, Sensor Screen. Or okay. Webshift. Okay. For example, just to mention these ones. All right. So these are applications that we can put on our phones or tablets that are going to filter the blue light that comes through the screens. And those will reduce the tiredness or discomfort in our eyes and in our vision and making it easier and less stimulation of the brain and then therefore making it easier to fall asleep. Okay? Exactly. Then our circadian rhythm will be less influenced by the blue lights. Yeah? Okay. Okay, so the circadian rhythm is less. That's interesting. This yeah. one I hadn't heard, Sophie. That's very interesting that this whole notion. I mean, I know that when I'm looking at my device, my brain is stimulated. I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking about the seven things that I have to do. And I have a hard time shutting all those thoughts down in order to get to sleep. But I hadn't realized that the actual light from the screen um, also create stimulation. So that's good to know. So applications from the web that help neutralize the light, okay? Exactly, exactly. And uh, also, this is what we may call the, uh, the, the, the experts, actually. They call it the social jet lag. Okay. So uh, social jet lag, which can be okay, because of us always checking our devices and... Uh, also, um, okay, late in the, in the night. Yeah? Right. So, yes, uh, sometimes uh, it may it brings back to a point that uh, uh, which is um, because of the problem of sleep. Uh, it claims that going to bed. Sometimes we say, okay, this week I went to bed too late. I may take the time during the weekend to go to bed earlier or to wake up later. And so scientists from the University of Arizona in Texas, for example, they quantified also that uh, this risk of, um, okay, going to bed later than normal, or it can be associated with an 11% increase of uh, heart disease. Just that. 
11% increase in heart disease from going to bed too late. Wow. Yes. Okay. That's incredible. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why the amount of sleep is important, but also the time. At what time do we go to sleep? Yeah. So there are a lot of research which tend to focus on the amount of sleep, of time we sleep. But also, some have found that routine is also just as important as the amount of sleep. Okay. Yeah, so that's why we, it, can go, it can tend us to go to our second point. Okay. But let's say to just finish about the devices, yes? We mm-hmm. said perhaps to switch out the devices minimum 30 minutes before going to bed. But of right. course, even better could be to put down our phone much earlier. Taking a break mm-hmm. from the screen can help us to lift also our spirits and our relationship with people around us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know so many people, though, who um, work really, really, you know, they work really hard all day, and then they come home and try to spend some time with the family or with people around them. And then they will go back to work, and typically work then is going to start somewhere at 8.30, 9 o'clock, and will continue into the early hours in the morning, midnight, 1 o'clock. But what you're saying is that that's going to lead to really poor quality sleep in the first place and not enough of it because there's not enough hours. Um, Exactly. Exactly, exactly. And also... Uh, this is a very good friend of mine who often reminds me high tech should be at minima equal to high touch. <laughs> so for us, giving enough space and time also to high touch. High touch could be connecting with our people around us and not only through our devices, but just with our family members. Let's say also ourselves to give space and time to ourselves, to our inner world, and then we will come back to our work, to our missions, uh, to our projects with even better, let's say, um, quality of, um, um, okay, intellectual quality, emotional quality, having perhaps also feeling better involved into that, having, yes, better connections with our ideas, creativity, and so on. Right. Yeah, we do. I mean, this has been pretty well documented in the research that if you're not getting enough sleep, creativity is hurt. But so, and you're saying so is mood and emotional connectivity and the quality of thinking. So, so if you let's go from the, you know, putting down the devices and reducing the blue light from the screen and having some time to let your eyes and your body rest and the emotional connectivity, you also talk about the little routines that we need to do before bedtime. So tell me about those and what, how those work. Yes, okay. So um, as I mentioned, some uh, research has been, uh, uh, did lead us to see that the amount of sleep is not only important, but also the ritual, the ritual we can build around the sleep. Then the sleep is not only a matter of health, as it's very important, but also it can be, uh, why not creating kind of art around the sleep? So okay. uh, creating a ritual, it also helps the mental and the conscious state to, uh, 
feel, okay, now it's time to go to sleep. So each time we enter in the process of a ritual, and we can speak about which kind of ritual we can integrate into our daily life, it does send a message to our brain. Then the brain understands, okay, now we are engaging in the process of slowing down, preparing myself to the best night where the best night and sleep I deserve. Okay. Yeah. So it's in, so it gets the brain prepared and ready so that I'm much more likely to get into the rhythm, okay? Exactly. So give me an example of a ritual that you find works. Okay, so for some people it can be, uh, okay, when the weather is nice, it can be to take a short walk outside to breathe fresh air, to change the energy of the day. Let's say for some people who don't have the time to, um, to have fresh air, they can take a little walk outside and then it can help to remove the energy blockages by moving calmly. Let's say the rhythm of the walk can help to reduce also uh, the mental state, okay, to focus. We can speak about uh, walking mindfully. It does help to, it can be part of the little ritual of the evening. Okay, right now, I breathe fresh air and it's my time to calm down, for example. Okay. For some people who may not be able to go outside, for any reason it can be, we can make some uh, breathing exercises. Okay. So uh, we can check for that. It can be on internet. Or just to breathe slowly, gently, in a gentle rhythm, just say, okay, I breathe in and I breathe out several times and it can already help mental state to calm down again. And we can combine it with exercises like, uh, okay, it can be yoga, little movement of yoga, or it can be, again, like uh, taking a walk and just breathe in and breathe out in the same time we do walk slowly. And all these things can make people to feel more relaxed and at ease. So it's also a way to build a stronger connection between, let's say, the head and the heart. Okay, the heart movement, when we do down the heart movement, it helps also the mind and the brain to calm down in the same rhythm. Okay, great. So slowing down the heartbeat helps the brain slow down the rhythm as well, which is going to help us calm down and therefore fall asleep more effectively. So this short walk or the breathing exercises, the slow and gentle rhythm is this something that we do for a minute, two minutes, or does it need longer than that? Oh, it can be three minutes. It can be the time we are uh, able to give to ourselves. And the time we are able to give to ourselves. It can be, the good thing could, okay, we can try, for example, for five minutes. Five minutes of breathing exercise or five minutes of work. And then for the people who are ready to, um, to taste it, it could be also... Uh, go into a practice of meditation. Okay. We speak more and more about meditation because it's also a way to help our brain to change our weights. A lot okay. of research has been done on the effect of meditation on the brain waves. And okay. so it can also be a very good tool before going to sleep. We can help ourselves by going into a meditative state. It can be using an application. It can be listened to a guided meditation as an audio on Internet or someone who may help us to make a little record of that guided meditation or for ourselves, just to drive ourselves 
in a calm state of meditation with a breathing and then to make a kind of a guided imagery. And so this is a great way to disconnect from outside, to distress okay. and to reconnect with our inner life. Yeah, to reconnect with the inner life. Okay, so for those who don't know what um, guided meditation is, let me just give a quick description. And basically, this is imagining that you're walking, say, on a beach with the sunshine on your face, and you hear the sound of the waves, and you just put yourself in a guided visual state. And you can get all sorts of tapes on the internet, or you can record one for yourself. You listen to the state, the tape, in just a couple of minutes of following through this meditation in this imagery is enough to change the brain waves, exactly as Sophie has said. Okay. Exactly, and your and your voice is perfect for that. <laughs> One time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. So is yours, for that matter. I've also had clients, um, not so much for sleep, but for day-to-day stress, do guided breathing exercises. And again, there are all sorts of applications available that help you monitor your breathing rate and your heart rate and learn to control the heart rate through more steady, rhythmical, slower breath. Um, So if you Google biofeedback, for example, you'll find all sorts of devices and tools that will help you do exactly that. Okay, so Sophie, the notion here, if I follow your logic, is that we need to create more rituals around going to sleep. Because that helps us slow our brain waves or change our brain waves, and that helps us to prepare for sleep. And it's, it, I mean, if you think about it with babies, we do this with babies all the time to help them go to sleep. So we should probably do it for ourselves. You've talked about a short walk to get fresh air, to just kind of change the energy and to calm down. You've talked about breathing exercises. You've talked about some simple yoga You've talked about a meditation, a guided meditation, or even just time for yourself where you stop the rush and the pace. Exactly. And it can okay. also be for some people who like to, uh, to read. It can be just having a, a good book. Because so a good book which can help to create already some images. And uh, images can be the beginning of, the, why not, a nice dream. Images, yeah, creating images for the dream. I know when I was in graduate school and my head would be full of all of these experiments and analysis and theories that I had read, I found just a few pages of something that was a general novel was what I needed to get to sleep. So that works. Now, Sufi, what about this dreaded thing? I think we all have it. You wake up in the middle of the night. For some people, it seems to be the same point of the night over and over again. What can we do to get back to sleep? Okay, so that's a very good point. So the first thing we can already do is that we can pay attention to our thoughts. What are we thinking right now? Could it be a problem we had a day before or we had for a few days before? Or do we need to find a solution? Is there something? So what is the problem? Why do we get up? So to pay attention to what is our thinking. The first thing we can do if our mind is, um, let's say, completely full of uh, thinking is to take a piece of paper and to write down what it is about. Then the mind can already become, let's say, calmer. Okay, we, do, we take care of what is in the mind. Because during the night, of course, we are calm, 
and okay, we are trying to say our brain and our thinking is not working, and we are not taken by devices, by people, relationships, and so on. So this is the time for sometimes the mind will come up with what is very important for us. Okay, a problem to solve, a relationship to solve, something that we forgot perhaps during our day. Sometimes it's enough to um, make people waking up. The good thing is already, in that case, we take a piece of paper and we'll write about it. Then, okay, already the mind says, okay, uh, she or he is taking care of uh, what is coming up. Let's go back to the normal. Yeah? Okay. It can be interesting. So just going back, uh, just putting down whatever it is you're thinking on a piece of paper so your mind is not actively trying to remember it um, and to hold on to it can help us go back to sleep. Now, does that mean we should get up, go to another room, find a piece of paper, or do you recommend people keep something beside their bed that they can just easily write on? Uh, it has depend, of course. Uh, maybe uh, if we sleep with someone next to us, we may want to leave the room and then to go and perhaps uh, having a little light and then to be able to write about it. For mm-hmm. some other people, it can be uh, okay to wake up slowly and to take a glass of water, um, uh, something which can be helpful. And we, we will speak about the glass of water also in the third part, speaking about dreams. And so it can also go back to a breathing exercise, so just breathing slowly and just to make a little scan of the body. Okay, let's take the time to make a scan of the body from top of the head to tip of the toes and to feel, okay, what do I feel? And then to give voice to the body can also help to calm down sometimes. It can help people to calm down again. Okay. Or for some other people, excuse. It can also be to listen to a little audio that, again, we can find uh, as a guided meditation. Go back to sleep. Just type sleep guided meditation. Or Otherwise, you can also find someone who can make a record for you, <laughs> especially for okay. you, like I can do sometimes in my own practice to make a little guided meditation, especially for the person. Or, yeah, or go to Internet and type these keywords. Okay. I know lots of people who, well, I know it's true for me too, that if I turn on a TV or there's a visual stimulation, that often wakes me up more in the middle of the night. Whereas if I turn off the TV and I'm just listening to the sound, especially if it's a kind of slow, steady, bit monotonous sound, that often puts me to sleep faster than anything else in the middle of the night. And I've known people who've listened to radio shows, who listen to music, um, and as you say, to do your own or find a sleep-guided meditation or to find your record your own sleep tape. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Let's say for the people who wake up in the middle of the night and maybe who will listen to a, um, a radio show or maybe we can recommend to uh, listen to a radio show speaking about sleep. It maybe helps people to go back to sleep again. Why not? Otherwise, during the night, it may be not so easy to listen something to learn. Let's say because, of course, as you say, it has shown the mind, and so it it doesn't help us to go back to sleep. So we may want to give a room for the learning during the day. If we want to use the sleep to become more performant, which can be also the key point for uh, our leaders who may listen to us or um, uh, let's say other people who may be students, 
we may want to listen to something we want to learn just before going to sleep. But let's say, and, and to stop that, minimum 30 minutes before going to sleep. And then it can stay in our mind, in our brain, and when we can have an intention to remember what we just heard, what we just learned through an audio, um, a podcast, something okay. we learned in a book, that could be a good thing. But maybe we may not want to uh, learn something in the middle of a night. <laughs> right, right. So that means people should not listen to on my radio show in the middle of the night. Instead, they should listen to it before they go to sleep and stop it 30 minutes before they go to sleep, if I've understood your intonation here. Okay. Yeah. Is there any? So we've talked about breathing exercises. We've talked about doing a scan of the body and just noting what you feel. We've talked about listening to an audio like a sleep-guided meditation or something gentle, not something we're trying to learn or that's actively engaging our mind. We've talked about keeping a piece of paper and writing down the thoughts so that your brain is not working on those actively. Any other things to do in the middle of the night? Yes, in the middle of the night. um, The other thing we can do if we feel anxious, for example, some people can feel anxiety, is to come back uh, to a positive state of mind. How can we do that? It can be with the writing again. So um, I can recommend to the people to have a kind of journal, a journal of the positive mind. It can be a gratefulness journal. Why not? And then, so we can every evening having a little ritual to write down three positive things in the day, minimum three positive things in the day. It can be just before falling asleep. Okay, what can I remember for my day which was positive for me today? Perhaps some people, for any reason it is, may have difficulty to remember one thing. But if we do it as a ritual, it will help us to find a detail. It can be, okay, today I had a coffee time with a, a friend of mine. Or perhaps today I received a, night, a nice smile from a person in the street. And it, it was good for me to receive this smile. Okay, these little things, sometimes we have... Uh, very bigger positive things, but to remind three little details in the day which was positive for us, it can help us to switch on a positive mode. In, when we wake up in the middle of the night, why not reading these positive things we had for days before? It can help us to remember, okay, I'm not alone. Every day I can have positive things. And it can also be a kind of little ritual, having this great witness journal in the why not? Okay, that's great. So this is another ritual to do before going to sleep so that you have a journal, a gratefulness journal, and that every night you write down just before you go to sleep three specific, small, even tiny things that happen in the day that are positive for you. It puts you in a more positive mood and that can help sleep be better. And then you're saying, if I wake up in the middle of the night worried about something, I can pull out the journal and read the last couple of days. What are the things that I'm grateful about? I like it. And I know the research on the three positive things is very powerful. Okay, Sophie, before we um, run out of time here, I want to talk about dreams. Yes. Not something we often discuss, but they have an important role in our lives. So let's talk about dreams for a minute. Exactly. If we come back um, 
okay, that we may uh, have 25 years of sleep, meaning uh, 9,125 days of sleep in our life, why not uh, taking our sleep as a resource? You know, and uh, sleep can be a resource. It can, of course, it's a resource for our health. It can be a resource of creativity, yeah? So this is uh, something that, uh, for my part, I did discover a few, year, few years ago, exactly five years ago. And it helps me to switch on my intuition mode. Yes, so, um, okay. A dream can really lead to creativity, to intuition. And so okay. um, sleep can become an art and also a technology, yes? Okay. So All right. there are many people now who uh, do speak, who do write about the power of the dreams. Right. And I read a book a few years ago, which was written um, uh, by Davina McCann. She's an English lady, and... Uh, so uh, she wrote this book that I can mention perhaps later, the title, if people are interested in uh, learning how to discover the power of the dreams. Yeah. Okay. I know um, I've read a number of things recently that say that dreams help clear your mind and, you know, clear con- you know, connections. And I know for some people, in fact, people who do creativity research say that our best ideas either come in the dreams, in the early hours of waking, or in the time in the morning when you are being mindless, like taking a shower or driving to work, that that's when the creative idea is coming. So how do you suggest people use this, the dream, to generate creativity? How do you go about doing that? Yeah. So this is, again, a question of rituals. So to, um, okay, the dream state is often during the paradoxal sleep. And at that moment, this is where we have the the best dream state. So, Mm -hmm. of course, at that moment, we may not wake up in the middle of of this uh, phase five of sleep and say, okay, now I need to remember my dreams. It won't work that way. So the right thing we can do is to set a ritual and an intention before falling asleep. And this okay. is something I took from uh, this book of uh, Davina McKell. So I'd like to mention her because she really changed my life and my way I discovered the power of my own dreams. And so what I do mention is also what I do practice in my own life. I have several little books, little books of uh, gratefulness journal. And on the other side of my notebook, I do write my dreams. So then it's also a way to remember my dreams, to write them. So okay. let's come back to the ritual we can uh, put into our daily life. Before falling asleep, little things we can do, very simple things. Everybody can do that. We can take a little glass of water. Okay, not a big one, a little one. We put mm-hmm. water in it. And then, before falling asleep, we can drink half of this little glass of water with the intention to remember our dreams. And then when we wake up in the morning, we drink the other half of this little glass of water with having again the intention to remember our dreams. And so the water can help. This is a kind of a technique, let's say. Um, okay. Further, the power of the water, which uh, also be said as uh, bringing memories. But just to stay with this technique, okay, I do put the intention and then my brain 
will record, okay, it's the time now to remember the dreams. So this is also a matter of uh, putting, um, sending a message to the brain. Yes? Yes. I know so, one of my friends is um, very significantly into researching dreams and the power of dreams or a host of things in life. And she says, as did Carl Jung, that the intention to remember your dreams or the practice of trying to remember the dreams and writing them down means that you begin to remember more and more and more every night. So I think you're right that this this notion of a ritual that helps us have the intention to remember as we're going to sleep and then the attention to remember as we're waking up. I like your idea of a little glass of water. I drink half of it before falling asleep and half when I wake up. Exactly. And we can also do that thing if we have a notebook. I do recommend highly to have a notebook uh, in the, let's say, in our bedroom. And then in the evening, again, we can write three positive things on the day on one side of the book. And on the other side, it can be the journal for the dreams. And so Mm -hmm. then after we would have uh, drink our half glass of water, we can take a pencil and write down okay, what I would like to remember from my dreams. What is now my interest in life? Do I need to have more creativity? Would I like perhaps to find an idea? It can be to find a solution. Okay, we can write down our concerns on the left page, for example. Okay, we can put down the, the the date of the day, then to write our concerns on the left page of the notebook. And then... Mm -hmm. On the right page in the morning, okay, we uh, drink our other half glass of water. We stay in the bed for a few moments before we rush on the bathroom, for example. We take a few moments to remember that, and then so it will uh, send uh, the message to the brain, okay, now it's time to remember the dreams. And then perhaps we remember a little, or perhaps a little more. A little more. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Sophia, I love it. We remember everything uh, in the first night, right, or the first morning after the night. But step by step, it does engage a process in the brain, and uh, okay, in the brain and the subconscious mind. Okay, I really want to remember my dreams. So it's a process, it's a ritual, and the more we practice, the more we have chance to remember our dreams. Right. right. Sophie, fascinating. Unfortunately, we are out of time today. So with me is Sophie Ramirez. Sophie, as you know, is a personal coach. She's a workshop designer and a facilitator. She uses hypnosis, meditation, and all sorts of techniques to help people increase their productivity. We've been talking about sleep. And I think, Sophie, the thing that strikes me the most in what you're saying is that the rituals, the power of rituals. So thank you, Sophie, very much. Thank you for you too, Wanda. And I wish the best sleep night this evening for people who do listen to us. Just having the intention to remember your dreams and putting some little rituals. And let's see what's come up with that. Perfect. All right. Thanks again. And join us next week for another episode. Thank you for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.